If there wasn't enough good recruiting news coming at you, we got more for you in the form of an offensive lineman on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, we had a great live show. If you all didn't get a chance, go back, listen to that. Had a lot of recruiting stuff that we discussed. But we got more recruiting news dropping on a Tuesday for you. First of all, let's talk about Eugene Brooks, an offensive lineman that now has received several predictions, both from On3 and 247 Sports, favoring the Oklahoma Sooners. 6'4", 325-pound interior offensive lineman from Chatsworth, California, plays his high school ball at Sierra Canyon. The other interested parties in this recruitment, Josh, the USC Trojans and the Texas Longhorns. So this one has a double dip Oklahoma rivalry interest involved for Eugene Brooks. Yeah, obviously, uh, anytime you can beat that, that duo out would not uh, hurt Oklahoma fans. And, you know, probably putting the USC thing aside for a moment, beating Texas in a recruitment, of course, is generally speaking, probably more important for Oklahoma, right? You know, you're going to see the who's who's in a bunch of recruitments and USC, Though uh, there's some some hard feelings, USC is a who's who out of uh, the West. So it's not going to be the last time that we see USC. We're talking about another uh, another running back recruit out there in Taylor Tatum that his uh, final two is Oklahoma and USC. But again, generally speaking for Oklahoma, if you're in the business of multiple recruitments, in, in the case of a Eugene Brooks, if it plays out this way, you're beating Texas. Yeah, that that's good news for Oklahoma because it, it – Sort of, in a lot of ways, you can make the argument it, it always did in the Big 12 Conference, whether it was the, the Big 12 South or, you know, you go to this, you know, format we've been in uh, past the Big 12 South seasons. It starts with beating Texas in a lot of ways for Oklahoma, for them to achieve their, their team goals each season. So uh, that won't change when you go to the SEC. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, how Oklahoma is tracking on an individual season is going to be judged by how you're playing and if you're beating texas and that starts of course by beating texas on the recruiting trail so from that standpoint yeah that that's that's great news this is a kid that you watch him and I mean, he's every bit of six four three twenty five. like he's got the size to step in and play offensive line at the collegiate level right away now you want to improve maybe some athleticism improve some movement skills and i think that just comes with development you know, just being able to work with your body and, and with, with maturity and growth. I mean, you know, who you are as a 17 year eight or 18 year old kid, isn't who you're going to be as a 20, 21 year old kid. Um, or even once you get into a, a collegiate strength and conditioning program that helps you learn how to work better with what you got. And I mean, this is a strictly 
interior offensive line guy. He's not going to be somebody that you want to flex out at tackle very often. If you have to, it's probably going to be an emergency situation, but he's got the movement ability at least to, to pull on the inside, play a little bit of guard and has the strength to withstand interior defensive line uh, pass rushers. So an intriguing prospect for the Sooners. And it looks like all things are trending toward Oklahoma after again, four predictions in the last four or five days now uh, favoring OU, you know, they they've not really seen a whole lot of momentum right now in their offensive line recruiting. Whereas last year, you know, maybe they already had a bunch of dudes already kind of locked up in the Heath Ozidas and the Logan Howlands. Um, but now it's like, okay, we got Isaiah Autry and what else? Okay. We need to bring in more offensive line, you know, commitments at this point. And it looks like Eugene Brooks could be the next guy on that list. Uh, you know, that's not going to slow them down for in their pursuits of, of other offensive line guys, especially, you know, the Eddie Pierre Louis that we've talked about multiple times, somebody that we really, really like Brian Smith locked on's recruiting expert really, really likes. And, you can still go that direction. I mean, you're still maybe hoping for a Casey Poe commitment, but it's looking like that's going another direction. Uh, Bennett Warren, somebody that Oklahoma was heavily in on. Maybe that one's not going to be Oklahoma's direction either. Uh, so there's, there's room to add guys and Eugene Brooks, again, he's got the size to be a difference maker at offensive line for the Sooners. Well, and it's, it's worth pointing out that, Eugene Brooks, depending on where you're looking, uh, ESPN, four-star kid, uh, according to ESPN for Eugene Brooks. Rivals, four-star kid for Eugene Brooks. So, And then, you know, you look at on three and 24-7 sports, and he's a three-star. He, he would be a three-star commit if and when that happens for Oklahoma. So there's a little bit of a, you know, and not that that's unique to this recruitment for Eugene Brooks. It's there, there's a little more uh, variation on how some of the, the different outlets out there sort of view him. But there there are some, again, a couple there in Rivals and ESPN, John, that look at Eugene Brooks and say that this is a blue chip talent. So, again, I just go back to what I said the other night, which is, okay, if you're cheating a little bit right now, I call it my recruiting cheating index. If you're using uh, – it's a, a, a player's a blue chip talent somewhere – uh, according to the recruiting, uh, you know, four major recruiting services, I, I believe eight out of the 12 commits right now for Oklahoma fit that category. And uh, I think with all of the names that are kind of on the immediate horizon for Oklahoma, they would fit that category. Maybe Michael Patterson McDonald, is he a blue chip anywhere? Yeah, I believe maybe rival or not rivals, but maybe 247 Sports might have Michael Patterson as a, uh, a four star guy. Uh, let me see if I can find it right quick. I'm trying to, and I hit the wrong button. Um, no, he's maybe it's on three. I can't remember. Somebody's got him as a um, as a as a four star somewhere. I just can't remember exactly where. Well, suffice it to say, you've got Zion Raggins on rivals. the horizon. Rivals, rivals does. Okay, so then that takes us to the four names that we think are on the horizon here pretty quickly for Oklahoma uh, in Raggins in Michael Patterson, McDonald, in Tatum uh, right before that, and then in williams area, I mean, that's blue chip, blue chip, blue chip, blue chip. And, and right here, again, if you're using the Josh Helmer 
recruiting cheating a little bit index, then, uh, you know, if it's not a consensus blue chip commit, Oklahoma, I mean, that's that's going to be maybe five more blue chippers, John, in this class for Oklahoma. And, and, you know, when you think offensive line, obviously with the the Casey Poe decision going elsewhere, we'll see about Grant Bricks. Uh, it sounds like that that door, that avenue, that channel is not completely closed for Oklahoma. There's some that feel like Oklahoma's, you know, starting to make another positive push there. But if you believe that, you know, Bennett Warren, the, the ship has sailed there. It sounds like, I mean, we're going to find out tomorrow, Casey Poe's going to Alabama. So while you've missed out in some other areas, obviously offensive line that ratchets up the importance that, okay, wait a second, somebody needs to join Isaiah Autry, and it looks like may maybe this is the name, John. This is the one we got to watch, and we'll see uh, when that commitment goes down, whether it goes to Oklahoma, whether it's USC, Texas. Right now it looks like it's Oklahoma's recruitment to lose at this point. Uh, but things can change on a dime in the recruiting world. So we'll keep you covered here on locked on Sooners coming up. We're going to delve into some more recruiting nuggets. Got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, we'll do that after we talk to you about our friends over at bird dogs. Yes. Bird dogs, the most comfortable short you'll wear great fit. Great look. They're made out of the, the stretch khaki that does the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way, way better regular they fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton and bird dogs fixed the issue by inventing the cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement it's that anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long like i said on the live show last night we were all over the southwest in 105 110 degree heat i was rocking my bird dogs never once felt hot in my lower body didn't have to suffer any of those uh nhl lower body injuries because of all the the sting that was going on that could be going on if i was wearing somebody else's short but no i was rocking my bird dogs and cool as a cucumber on the fourth of july in las vegas so everything was all good go to birddogs.com use promo code sorry go to birddogs.com slash locked on college uh, to get that free Yeti style tumbler with, tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college or promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And uh, I don't know why I'm struggling so bad to say the word tumbler. Tumbler. It's the word tumbler. I'm stumbling over the word tumbler. My apologies to our friends over at bird dogs. Uh, the, the further recruiting nuggets that we got to touch on uh, a linebacker who has set his recruitment um, his name is Mr. Braden Platt. Uh, this one is a 6'2", 240-pound four-star linebacker, also a track star, the number one uh, recruit in Washington and the Washington State Player of the Year and Gatorade Track Star of the Year. Um, it looks like Oregon is probably going to be the, the landing spot here. But until he makes his decision, and honestly, until he signs, I'm not going to count the Oklahoma Sooners out of this. Sounds like he's a big fan of Brent Venables, and why wouldn't you be? The dude knows how to coach defense, and he does a really good job with linebackers too. Given that Oklahoma has made a lot of noise and created a lot of buzz about their ability and willingness to work with two sports stars, I think that has to work in their favor as well given that you got the commitment from James Nesta. You look like you're going to get the commitment from Taylor Tatum. Both those guys are going to play baseball. If you do get Braden Platt, 
you're going to be able to work with the track team to figure out a way for him to run track and play football and it all be kosher for everybody involved. So I think, you know, while Oregon might potentially have a lead right now, as we saw on early signing day last year, Oregon thought they had Peyton Bowen all wrapped up, signed, sealed and delivered. And Oklahoma came swooping in, stealing the signature basically in the dead of night uh, and getting Peyton Bowen as part of their 2023 recruiting class. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're able to make enough movement on this recruitment before he commits, uh, which is, I believe, on September 4th. Um, a lot can change. Like Oklahoma can make such a push to get that commitment out from Oregon by September 4th. Like that's almost two months away. And you have a very, very persuasive and very good recruiting coaching staff that can make a lot of headway in this recruiting battle for Braden Platt. All with the, hopefully, the added benefit of getting them back for taking Zadavian Sims out from underneath you. That's right. And, uh, well, let's see. Oklahoma's had, uh, obviously, some history with uh, Peyton Bowen uh, with Oregon, but uh, Wyatt Gilmore, another name that uh, Oklahoma beat out Dan Lanning and Oregon for uh, Wyatt Gilmore, obviously Zadavian Sims, uh, that did not go Oklahoma's direction. But you know, one thing, one thing I think that you do like here, John, is this. Well, number one, what you mentioned, which is okay, <laughs> you got Brent Venables, uh, heavy in this recruitment. That if he wants a linebacker, more times than not, he's probably going to uh, he's probably going to go get that linebacker and. That makes sense. As you said, uh, why wouldn't you want to come play for Brent Venables? But the uh, the fact that this is mano a mano at this point for Oklahoma and, and for Oregon, I mean, yeah, Oregon's favored in this recruitment. But uh, as we've said, you know, in other instances for Oklahoma that, okay, you know, you, you almost feel like you can count four commitments on the board for OU based on what some of the recruiting predictions and trends look like and where the momentum is at you really can't until the commitment is just that a commitment, right? Because it's, it's recruiting. Things change rapidly. Uh, we feel like we have a great pulse on the way the direction of the, the shape of recruitment is going. And then boom, it changes on a dime. And when it's just Oklahoma and Oregon in a recruitment, you can change those feelings and emotions. I would imagine quicker than if it was, Oklahoma, Oregon, USC's involved and Washington's involved. And all of a sudden you're talking about five different finalists. No, it's just Oklahoma and Oregon. And oh, by the way, you've got Brent Finables uh, calling the shots in this recruitment alongside uh, the rest of his defensive staff. So I like that part of it for Oklahoma. If uh, you're under the belief that, yeah, it's kind of all Oregon right now, which, you know, you look out there at the predictions for, uh, for this recruitment and it's only Justin Hopkins, who's the the owner and publisher of ScoopDuck.com, which uh, is with On3. So, hey, uh, I, I'm sure that Justin Hopkins has really, really good sourcing. And I would imagine that probably he's not, you know, based on his percentage, I think he's batting 86% that he's getting recruiting predictions correct. And they're not just on Oregon. I mean, we're talking, you know, all sorts of prospects from the uh, Pacific Northwest region. So, this is someone that, yeah, you, you take what they say seriously. This is not, uh, you know, somebody that's publishing for the Oregon fan side and all of a sudden you, you don't take it very seriously. No, you, you do. But with all of that in mind, 
I don't see a 24-7 sports crystal ball prediction in yet. I don't see a, a rival's future cast in yet. So it is at this point, though it's a source that, John, I think we can trust in Braden Platt that, yeah, he's leaning Oregon right now. Again, recruitments are – there's something that's made to change, and especially when it's just, you know, Oregon versus Oklahoma. And, oh, by the way, there's not just this landslide of predictions for Braden Platt right now. Yeah, if there were you know 10 predictions that were favoring Oregon, I'd probably be like, oh, Oklahoma's out of this one. But yeah, with the fact that it's just the one, I mean, it looks like you know Braden Platt to Oregon, but that's not anywhere near, near signed, sealed, and delivered at this point. The other one we got to talk about is a, another quarterback that Oklahoma's offered in the 2024 recruiting cycle, and that's Trevor Jackson uh, out of Orlando, Florida, plays for West Orange High. And according to our guy, Parker Thune over at Rivals OU Insider, uh, was the high school teammate of Jaden Gibson. So that's an intriguing little nugget there. But uh, Samaj Jones, who they were pursuing, committed to Cincinnati instead of Oklahoma and West Virginia. So Oklahoma is pivoting now, trying to land a second quarterback in the class, which I find interesting. I, I don't know where you stand on this, Josh, where, whether you think like, okay, we got our one quarterback, we should stick with it. Or we, if you think adding competition to the position is a good thing, or if there's some sign or sense that, okay, maybe the offensive coordinator might not be here for long. And so maybe we're going to look to add a quarterback that could replace uh, his guy. Um, if, uh, if that offensive coordinator does depart, what, what's your thinking on the idea of them so heavily pursuing a second quarterback in the cycle? Well, I, I, I don't look at it and say like Jeff Lebby's leaving for Northwestern or Jeff Lebby is connected to this job or that job because uh, well, Coach Lebby's the the first name that Trevor Jackson mentions in the the offers tweet. So that tells me that, again, Coach Lebby's running point here for Oklahoma alongside Coach Venables. And the idea for Trevor Jackson is if he commits to Oklahoma, I'm coming to play for offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby. Again, haven't talked to Trevor Jackson, just having followed enough recruitments, it, it reads that way to me. So I, I, don't, uh, I don't look at it and get nervy about that. I will say – I mean, I guess uh, what you're saying right there is that Oklahoma had other options on the table for quarterback. They weren't totally committed to this idea that, okay, we've got Michael Hawkins in this class, and that's all we're taking in this class, right? I mean, there, there was uh, another name on the board, though you've got Kevin Sperry coming right behind it. I, I find it to be interesting timing that this offer comes down after Devon Mitchell commits. Yeah, I, I – just kind of find that to be an interesting timeline piece of this. But the bottom line is like a lot of positions and definitely quarterback. We saw this. We saw it on the biggest stage for Oklahoma in a regular season game last year. You cannot have enough good signal callers and you need a trusty backup quarterback option. So if Trevor Jackson, you know, everybody comes to college thinking, okay. And, and Trevor Jackson, by the way, has offers from Pittsburgh. He's got offers from Boston College. He's uh, He's got offers from Coastal Carolina. has been a good football school here of late. Houston, Illinois, Indiana. So we could keep going. Maryland, Missouri, Ole Miss, Penn State. I mean, Texas A&M, he's getting big-time Power 5 offers. This is not somebody that you look at the first offers and you're like, well, wait a second. This is somebody that's getting offers from Akron and Appalachian State. No, there's, there's big-time offers. Keep reading. That's that's right. Keep reading. There's there's big time offers for Trevor Jackson on the the table, and so you can't have enough quarterbacks. And it, it might be just as simple as that, man. 
which is crazy to think that uh, come 2025, you could be looking at a quarterback room with Jackson Arnold, Michael Hawkins, Hawkins, maybe Trevor Jackson and Kevin Sperry all on the depth chart, which would be incredible. And I, I think you're right. You don't want to be caught in a similar situation that you were in the Red River Showdown where you didn't trust David Spevel to throw the football. Um, you know, if we look back on if there was one big failure of Jeff Levy's first year at Oklahoma, that was pretty much it. They didn't have a good enough game plan going into the Red River Showdown. So they're trying to make sure that never happens again, that they have adequate options at quarterback uh, behind their starter. And, you know, it's building that way. And we did talk about this a little bit yesterday on the show. Like they're not afraid to add talent at a place where even they have a good amount of depth. We were talking about it with the wide receiver position that right now it looks like they're, I mean, right now they've got four wide receivers committed. They're looking at maybe getting a fifth in Zion Reagans and they're not out of it for Terry Bussey as well for a sixth. So this is not out of character for Brent Venables and his staff. They're looking to add as much competition at as many positions as they possibly can. They want as much depth as possible. So it, it just, it is, I just find it interesting. And yeah, we're, we're not hearing anything or speculating that Jeff Levy's going to leave Oklahoma right now or next year or next off season. I just wonder if, if at some point he does take a job, what does that mean for Oklahoma's quarterback situation? I think Jackson Arnold's locked in. I think Kevin Sperry's locked in. Michael Hawkins was, I mean, it's very much a Jeff Levy commitment. And you know, this Trevor Jackson could very much be a Jeff Levy commitment as well. Um, if they were able to get it. So it'll be just intriguing to follow because I, I just, again, I've, I find it interesting that they're adding, they're offering a second quarterback and they're heavily pursuing one. It's not outside the norm. You see Alabama do that. They're not afraid to take two quarterbacks in a cycle. What was it? The 2023 cycle. They had two uh, of the top 10 quarterbacks committed to them. And they were just like, fine, we'll just go compete it out and best man wins sort of a thing. And that could be the very much the same thing here. So we'll, we'll see. You can't necessarily like be sensitive to players and, and what their needs are, wishes are all the time. You just got to go and try and add as much talent as you possibly can. I'm with you. Yeah. And Michael Hawkins, you know, I don't think the feelings get hurt, right? Because obviously, you know, you got Kevin Sperry in the class behind you. Oklahoma, as we said, was recruiting Samaj Jones and, and Jones is somebody that visited in mid June to Oklahoma. So it was, it was obvious that Oklahoma, and I'm sure, you know, one thing that Oklahoma I think has done a good job of, whether it's Jeff Levy or Brad Venables, there's no, uh, there's no surprises. I don't feel like two commits on the recruiting trail for Oklahoma. It's pretty straightforward, pretty upfront. Hey, this is, this is what we're thinking. And so I would imagine from that standpoint that Michael Hawkins knew that there was uh, at least another name potentially in this class and quarterbacks, man, for the most part, bring it on. Right. I mean, if you're a top flight quarterback, we heard that uh, about Caleb Williams, that he didn't care. He didn't care who was at Oklahoma. And, and that obviously was proven correct by Caleb Williams. So a lot of times these, you know, top blue chip type guys, they're not worried about who else is there. I know that sometimes we get caught up in that. It, it just kind of depends on the player. Certain guys are and other guys are like, hey, bring on the competition. That's right. You want to play with the best and have the best bring out the best in you. So it, it, again, it's going to be one of those fascinating recruitments to follow in and we'll see if Oklahoma does indeed add a second quarterback to the mix. Last thing we're going to touch on, on today's episode of locked on Sooners is how 
much does the Northwestern opening affect Oklahoma's coaching staff? Now, there's nobody out there reporting that Jeff Lebby is being pursued for this job. It sounds like Northwestern is going to go the interim coach route uh, in the wake of Pat Fitzgerald's firing and then you know, resume a, you know, a coaching search next year in the offseason. Uh, but is there anybody that Oklahoma could get poached for uh, for what is a, a profitable Big Ten job, even if it's not necessarily a great Big Ten job? It's kind of one of those middle-of-the-pack spots that you know can contend here and there, but uh, based on a great – I can't remember who the author was, but Heartland Sports wrote a, a great article kind of responding to an Andy Staples article that kind of kiboshed the idea that Northwestern is a great job because Big Ten's getting rid of divisions. There's going to be a less likely path for Northwestern to climb the mountain and make a Big Ten championship game. So uh, your thoughts, Josh, do you think anybody on Oklahoma staff is is in danger of being poached? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't. Short answer. I, I, I think if you're Jeff Lebby or Bill Biedenboe or Joe John Finley – or DeMarco Murray. I mean, we could just list every assistant coach job. Todd Bates, Miguel Chavez, everybody. If I'm anybody that, uh, you know, is a rising assistant, an aspiring head coach. And, you know, the other part of that is, you know, Jeff Levy, I assume, wants to be a head coach at some point in time. DeMarco Murray, Bill Beedman. I mean, you, you just kind of assume all these guys want to be head coaches at some point in time. I mean, do they? Jeff Levy, I mean, I feel like it's it's pretty obvious out there where it feels like that maybe he comes along, I want to be a head coach, but maybe some of these guys are happy to to be uh, and stay at Oklahoma as an assistant in a good situation with Brent Venables. We, we just don't know. But just playing the hypothetical game, any of those guys, I just, uh, you know, the Big Ten money, that piece of it is attractive. And yes, it's worked college football itself into a situation to where you've got no longer a big five or a power five. You got a power two. You've got the Big Ten and the SEC. And there's what, 32 jobs, uh, you know, from those uh, those two conferences. Once the the final moves of uh, USC and UCLA and Oklahoma and Texas to the Big Ten and SEC happen respectively. So from that standpoint monetarily the resources that are at your disposal at Northwestern. Yeah. Going forward, it's a better job from that standpoint than anybody in the PAC 12 ACC big 12, but it's not at the same time too. Right. I mean, Clemson, Florida state are obviously better jobs. Uh, You know, you could probably pick out a couple of these Oklahoma state to me is a better job than Northwestern, even uh, even with the monetary advantages, just based on recent track record, John, the prestige of the program. So, you know, to me, it's not as simple as you look at, okay, Northwestern's got more money coming in than these other programs. I mean, you do look at the complete picture at play, and I just don't think that Jeff Levy or any of these Oklahoma assistants, I don't think you worry about that with them. No, to me, Jeff Levy going from offensive coordinator to Northwestern's head coach is more of a lateral move than it is a, a step up move. You know, if you're, if you're Jeff Levy, you're going to probably play the game similarly to Brent Venables in that you're going to wait for the right job. You're going to wait for a job. That's a legit, you know, big time opportunity an an Auburn. So, you know, if that job became available and they wanted to go after, 
Oklahoma's offensive coordinator. I could see that being difficult to turn down. You know, if it was like a Miami or something like that, some, some place with a lot of history, a lot of backing and, and the opportunity to be a contender on the national stage. So I think, you know, guys like DeMarco Murray, Miguel Chavis, they're probably still, you know, a bit of ways from a head coaching job. Uh, Bill Biedenboe just seems content to live in Oklahoma. Like, I think that's just what he wants to do. And I don't know that from him. I don't, I don't know the man personally, but he just seems to like being in Oklahoma. Uh, Ted Roof, to me, he seems attached to Brent Venables, you know, for however long he wants to continue coaching. Uh, Jay Valai, Brandon Hall, like, you could see a guy like Brandon Hall, you know, who's got some experience as a defensive coordinator, you know, potentially getting kind of plucked off of Oklahoma staff uh, to be a DC somewhere else. Uh, Jay Valai, again, you know, he's getting some decent defensive coordinator experience along with Todd Bates right now. But I think that they they probably need that that full on I'm pl- I'm calling the plays as the defensive coordinator before they get snatched up off the off the staff as well so it seems maybe a little bit of time between now and and when some of these younger assistants uh, get plucked off of Oklahoma staff but I mean eventually the time is going to come you know these guys are, are hot commodities especially on the recruiting trail that and and with what Brent Venables is doing with the soul mission the culture that they're creating that's being talked about by every recruit that comes to visit they're cre- they're establishing a culture that a a school like Northwestern desperately needs right now because they need to reestablish a, a culture of integrity, to be honest. And we're not going to dig too deep into the Northwestern stuff, but I mean, they, they've got some, some branding to fix. Recruits are already talking about that's not something that they want to be a part of. So, and, and it makes me wonder how much, you know, cause Adipoja Adabari's brother went there. Did he, what did he know about this, the whole situation that made him not want to go there? I don't know, and I won't, I shouldn't speculate on it even, but it's it, it it's going to be fascinating to see how they recover. Um, do they recover faster than like a Baylor did um, after after everything that went down there? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting, and you know the the names that wind up getting ultimately legitimately attached to this. You know, Andy Staples wrote uh, just kind of in closing here, and I know you referenced this Heartland uh, sports article that they aggregated Andy Staples thoughts. He's uh, Staples said plug in Baylor's Dave Aranda or K State's Chris Kleiman or Kansas's Lance Leipold for the same reasons. All are accomplished co- coaches at the Power Five level who don't have access to the funds of the Power Two level, and that that's all well and good. And and I get the thought process. Somebody's going to take the chance on Northwestern because of that. Because yes, they've got Power Two money. I just think if things are going well at one of these other Power, power Five jobs, especially like Coach Kleiman. Really? You're going to leave Kansas State where over the last quarter century they've been a winning football program? Bill Snyder's turned that into a place where they expect to win college football games. I mean, K-State might be the dominant force in the Big 12 going forward. So I don't know that you give that up to go chase the idea that, okay, I got all these big funds. And, oh, by the way, the other piece of the equation I think is this, John. You might have all those funds coming just from the the TV deal and this and that, but you're not able to just redirect those funds into name image likeness, uh, you know, from uh, an athletic department standpoint, you can't do that. That has to come from the other side of the equation. Right. And so what does the donation side look like at Northwestern? It's not a school that's historically been driven by its athletics. It's been historically driven by its academics and football coaches. Guess what? They want to coach somewhere where it's driven by 
football and passion for football. And so I just think about the, yeah, you've got that, that financial component to it, but you don't really have the football history or the passion from the fan base for the most part, like you would at a, a lot of other places. Yeah. If you're a big 10 fan, Oh, Northwestern's a great job. If you're from Chicago, Northwestern's great. If you're a journalism major, Northwestern's great, but really it's just kind of a middling program. It's Vanderbilt of the North, in my opinion, you know, it, or maybe it's like Mississippi state, uh, but the private school version of it, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Like nobody's going to Northwestern as a destination job, in my opinion, unless you played there or had some experience there. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. Myself at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. Make sure to go to Apple, Google, Spotify. Leave that five-star review. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John. Boomer Sooner.